0: Welcome back once again to the Tasty Marshals of Critical Care podcast, a meandering monologue through critical care fellowship exam preparation. This week, serotonin syndrome. So this is much talked about, very common in an exam, but quite rare in real life. It doesn't really get much coverage in those manuals, so the following is prepared from the hodgepodge of resources listed at the end of the podcast. In normal circumstances, we produce serotonin from tryptophan, and there are a bunch of complicated pathways and mechanisms that are as usual more beyond my comprehension as opposed to beyond the scope of this article. Serotonin does masquerade under its alternate name of 5-hydroxytryptamine, which in turn has bred a whole range of receptors, of which the most relevant to us is the 5-HT2A receptor. The other piece of the puzzle here is monoamine oxidase, MAO. This enzyme is responsible for metabolism of serotonin. So when we give drugs that inhibit MAO, we can also get into trouble. So to give a quick summary already, 5-HT, which is a pseudonym for serotonin, stimulates neurons through a variety of receptors, but the 5-HT2A receptor is the one that gets us into baller with serotonin syndrome. We can get into baller either by having too much 5-HT and stimulating the 5-H2A receptor too much, or we can get into baller by not getting rid of 5-HT with MAO when we need to clear as mud, I am sure. This is all very interesting, but it's clear from the now somewhat dated 2005 New England review article that this piece of knowledge is only the tip of the iceberg in terms of its passive physiology. Though rest assured, the tip of the iceberg is likely going to be enough to get you through for exam purposes. In terms of clinical presentation, it's clear that it exists as a spectrum from very mild serotonin syndrome to ICU level serotonin syndrome. A common mnemonic um, used to describe some of the features is CAN, C-A-N, so C for CNS dysfunction, A for autonomic disturbance and N for neuromuscular effects. So to flesh this out a little bit in bullet point form, these are the type of features that we're looking for uh, at the bedside. So looking for an onset, less than 24 hours, expecting to have big pupils probably some kind of tremor, um, clonus, and especially spontaneous clonus or even ocular clonus can be useful looking for, hyperreflexia uh, is a big feature of it, fever is common, autonomic issues as mentioned above in the demonic uh, and typically this resolves rapidly within 24 hours of treatment. The other thing to look for is hyperactive bile sounds. Now you may snigger at the inclusion of bile sounds but in terms of distinguishing this from its um, very examinable partner neuroleptic malignant syndrome, the presence of hyperactive bile sounds may be one of the few um, things that helps to distinguish. It, and it may be the uh, one of the few, if only, indication to listen for bowel sounds. The proposed algorithm for diagnosis here is called the Hunter Criteria, named for the lush area of New South Wales where they make a very nice semi-on wine and have the Hunter, value, Hunter Valley Toxicology Service um, that named this uh, algorithm a few years ago. It is a stepwise algorithm that, in the limited science available, claims a 95% specificity for diagnosis. And this is one of those step-like algorithms, a little bit like the CAM ICU, that somehow refuses to stay in my brain, so invariably I end up having to look it up. Sadly, however, this is not an option in an exam scenario. It is important to remember that this algorithm only really applies in the presence of a serotonergic agent, and there is, it seems, quite a large number of agents to populate this list. Some of them are obvious with the clues in the name like Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitors SSRIs or Monoamine Oxidase Inhibitors MAOIs There are however a few less expected ones such as Lineslid which acts a little bit like an MAOI in this scenario Fentanyl which is serotonergic and the usual toxicology favourites such as cocaine Tramadol is on the list which is hardly surprising given that it won first prize at the recent toxicology awards for filthiest side effects and interaction profile ever and the final two worth noting are Lithium which can increase sensitivity to 5-HT, and methylene blue, which kind of acts like a toxicology double agent by playing the hero in methemoglobinemia and then stabbing you in the back with the serotonin syndrome. Overall, kind of expect to see this in two clinical contexts. One will be the overdose of a single serotonergic agent, and this would be the, the Saturday night young person presentation. And the second scenario might be the cumulative effect of poor prescribing in a hospitalized patient. And the archetypal case of the second presentation was with Libby Zion, a young New York lady who died from unrecognised serotonin syndrome due to the inadvertent combination prescribing of certain serotonergic agents by undersupervised and overtired junior doctors back in the 80s, I think. It is thought to be the key case that led to reforming residency hours in the States, um, changing it from life-threatening indentured servitude to the more modern, underpaid and overworked trial by fire that it seems today. Once you've made the diagnosis, you should fill the rest of your answer to an SAQ with something like this. So talk about supportive care, usual ICU issues, you could split this up by organ system to cover everything. And this might even be a good opportunity to wax lyrical about controlling their temperature, either with something like a Bellevue ice bath or a CRRT circuit. Um, also don't forget to mention specific antidotal therapy, which we'll turn to now. So ciproheptidine is the drug that is listed in all the books. And this is an ancient first generation antihistamine that has an affinity for the 5-HT2A receptor greater than that of serotonin. Like all talks about tox- toxicology and receptors, it does provide an excellent reason to use the distracted boyfriend meme, an example of which is shown on the podcast show notes if you go to it. As you can imagine, an early generation antihistamine is probably not the ideal agent for this, at um, least is especially with a dosing regime that is NG administration every few hours of a drug that you'll probably not be able to locate after hours. It persists, likely due to the challenging evidence base that toxicology has to work off. The same Hunter Valley toxicology people who came up with the criteria have also published their experience with using chlorpromazine and olanzapine as alternative agents to ciproheptadine. There is little data to support one over the other, but a bit like COVID vaccines, the best one is the one you can get. Um, And I do doubt looking back on this in five years. I wonder, is that a comparison that's going to hold up? Um, For further reading, certainly go to the show notes on this, emergencymedicineireland.com and you'll find the tasty morsels. And the main references were the 2005 New England Journal of Medicine Review article on serotonin syndrome, Life in the Fast Lane and Range of Physiology, both of excellent pages and it's well worth reading the Jeff Espister Isb- et al. a the Hunter Valley crew from 2014 describing the criteria uh, and probably the earliest paper for the Hunter criteria comes dates all the way back to 2003 also linked to in the show notes thanks again for listening <laughs>